beginning a new series of messages called Reach. And uh, the idea behind this series of messages is really for our capital campaign that we're, that we're getting ready to embark on over the next several weeks. And I'm going to share with you why, why we're going through this campaign. Now, sometimes people are like, well, why, why in the world are we doing another one like this? What, what's this all about? And there's really three basic reasons why. Uh, the first reason why is in the last four and a half years, our church has gone from uh, getting a piece of property and then building two buildings, so we've accumulated some debt. I mean, we've been meeting in schools, and then we come here, and so one thing we want to do is we want to be able to put some money down towards our debt. Uh, the second reason why we're going through this campaign is because next door we have our student ministry building. And so our children meet over there, our middle school, our youth group meets over there. And what we'd like to do is we'd like to create a more flexible space over there. So this campaign is going to go towards helping us uh, make that more of a flex space. And then the third reason why we're going through this campaign is because we're going to be starting a new campus over at Westwood High School this coming August. And so all three of those things are very important for us. But the reason why we're doing those things is because we believe that we've been called by God to reach, uh, to reach more people. Now, a part of reaching, in order for us to be able to do that, actually requires some stretching. And it requires stretching on our part to be able to reach more people. Now, whenever I say this, I don't want you to think that I'm just standing up here and I'm telling you, hey, this is what y'all ought to be doing. I want you to know this, this includes me and my family as well. And so one thing that we want to do is we want to demonstrate that we're that we got skin in the game as well. And so for the next for the next year, one of the things that we will do is that we will give be above and beyond our regular tithes and offerings. For our total income, we will give another at least another 5% towards this campaign. Because we believe it's that important because we believe that God has a mission for this church to reach. Now, some of you might be saying, well, we've been here for maybe about 12 years since we've started, and say so that seems like the only thing that we do. It seems like we are, as a church, we are constantly stretching. Yes, we are. You know what happens when you don't stretch? You pull stuff. And so as a church, we think it's really good for us to continue to stretch because we believe that God has commissioned this church to reach. And so today what we're going to do to kind of emphasize that more and more is we're going to look into Scripture, we're going to look in Isaiah chapter 54, and we're going to look in verse number 1 in just a few moments to talk about the importance of the church stretching. Now if you're wondering where Isaiah is in the Bible, you can go right to the middle of it and turn a little bit to your right, and you're going to run into the book of Isaiah. So we'll look in Isaiah 54, and I'm going to give you some background information about the text we're looking at today. Uh, what's going on at this time is the Israelites, they, they were living in dark days. I mean, it was not like everything was all happy and exciting. They were in slavery again. Uh, now, you might remember that in the days of Moses, they were delivered out of Egyptian captivity. And then they, they went to the promised land. They built up this nation. And then they, they just sort of like forgot about God. And then whenever that happened, then another nation came in. The nation of Babylon came in. And they, they carried the people off into exile once again. And so the days of like King David and King Solomon, these guys that are fun to read about in the Bible, they had to seem like a distant memory to the people of Israel at this time. I mean, their confidence at one time had been, hey, we're people of God. You know, we are the apple of God's eye. And now they're starting to wonder, 
what happened to that? I mean, now they're, they're in captivity once again. They're depleted. Their, their faith is waning. And then the prophet Isaiah came along in the midst of their desperation in life, and he told them, I want you to rejoice because God's going to use you. Now, that had to be a difficult message for them to believe because as he's saying this, you know, they're, they're in captivity. But this message was, was meant for the people that were in this story right here, but it was also a prophetic message. The same scriptures found in Galatians chapter 4 in the New Testament. And so the idea here is that the message we're looking at today, it doesn't just apply to the people that were written to over a thousand years ago. It is a message for the followers of Christ today. And that message is that God wants to stretch his people so that they will reach more and more. And so very briefly today, we're going to look at some reasons why it's good for us as a church to be stretched. And the very first reason I see in our text why it's good for the church to be stretched is because stretching will build hope. Stretching will build hope in your walk with Christ. Now, in verse number 1 of chapter 54, Isaiah wrote, Rejoice, barren one who did not give birth. Burst into song and shout, you have not been in labor. For the children of the forsaken one will be more than the children of the married woman, says the Lord. Now, I know that whenever I read that, you can look at that and think, what in the world does that have to do with us? Yeah, you rejoice, barren one. I mean, what's going on here? Well, let me try to give you a little bit of help, because I needed it too. Now, we know that, that in, in all, really in all societies and in all cultures, children are, children are deemed as important and significant right? I mean, for those of you who are parents, you're all going to say, my kids are the greatest kids in the world. I love them to death, all that stuff. That's true, right? We, we like our kids. Now, as much as we like our kids, children really were deemed, I would say, even more important in this day than in our day. And I'm not saying it's because they love their kids more. It says more was, more was riding on children back then than, than today. Uh, if, you, if you were a parent or if you had children, it was a great thing because not only would your children perpetuate your family name, your children were also your 401k plan. You know, they didn't have retirement programs back then. And so if you were going to be able to survive and be able to, to make it as an older person, your kids were the ones who were going to take care of you. Now, I'm sure some of you are thinking, thank the Lord we don't live in days like that anymore, or we would starve to death if we had to rely on our kids, right? And so this, was, this is why kids are so important in Scripture. Not just for your family name, they're your retirement program. And so that's why whenever you look in the Bible, you see there's a huge emphasis on the importance of having children. As a matter of fact, if you didn't have kids, if you weren't able to have kids, it was like people would say, well, God's obviously mad at that person because they have no future whatsoever. And so it didn't look good. I mean, it looked like that God was out to get you. And so whenever you look in the Bible, you'll see that there are a lot of examples of people who didn't have children, and they're praying and asking God for kids. Um, Whenever you look at Hannah in 1 Samuel, she's a lady who was not able to have children. And when we see her in the Bible, she is on her knees in the temple praying, God, give me a child. Uh, We see another example of this with Abraham and Sarah. You might remember the story of Abraham and Sarah. God said, Abraham, I'm going to make a great nation out of you. 75 years old, zero kids. 
saying, I'm a great nation. You know, I mean, when's that going to happen? They, they get older and older, and, and they still don't have kids. I mean, they're pushing like 100. And so what happens is, is Sarah is so desperate for kids, she goes out, and she, it's like she contracts another woman to come in, and then she comes to Abraham and says, Abraham, I want you to sleep with this woman so that we can have children. You know what Abraham does? He goes, I'm going to do that. Bad move, you know? And so he does it, and what happens? Well, it is heartache for the rest of his life. I mean, gosh, ladies, don't ever do... Guys, if your wife ever says something like that to you, it ain't true, okay? And so Abraham's wife was jealous. She's angry. It is bitterness and hardship from that point on. But I'm just trying to point out to you how desperate people were to be able to have children. And so then you look in verse number 1. That's why this is a strange verse to me. Isaiah says, Rejoice, barren one. For those of you who don't have any kids, who don't have a future, I mean, it means you don't have a future, Isaiah says, Rejoice. What is he talking about? Well, he's speaking metaphorically here, and he's speaking to the nation of Israel. And at this time, the nation of Israel, you'd have to say that they were barren. They didn't have a hope. They didn't have a future. I mean, this tiny little backwater nation is in captivity yet again. They have no strength. They have no power. Nothing to look forward to. And then Isaiah tells them, I want you to rejoice. Man, that was, that was difficult for them to believe, I'm sure. How can you rejoice? I mean, how can you tell a hopeless people they have hope? Have any of y'all ever had, I mean, I'm sure you have, you've had dreams before that you'd like to see happen, but they don't happen, and you kind of get older and think, that's a dream, that'd be cool if it happened, there's no way it's ever going to happen. I know whenever I was a kid, I had a, I had a dream that, that one day I was going to be the next great quarterback for, for the Oklahoma Sooners, that's where I grew up, was in Oklahoma. You, did, y'all might not know this, that dream did not come true. And it didn't come true because the older I got, the more I realized a couple of important things. One, I'm not any good. Two, I don't like to get hit. Not a winning combination. You know, and so that dream just died rather early for me in life. And I thought, there's no way that dream's going to come true. Now, Isaiah is offering these people hope, and they had to be thinking, that sounds good. There's no way it's going to happen. Now, remember, this isn't just, a, just a, a prophecy that was given to these people. It's a prophecy for us as well, that we have a future. That our faith has a future, that our church has a future. And y'all, it is so easy for me to look at our world today and become discouraged and think, man, culture is so far gone. There's no way we can have an impact. I mean, I I look at some of the crazy stuff that's going on in our world, and our world is, it really is, it is nuts what's going on. Um, Just let me give you one little example. This was actually on the news, it was a few weeks ago, it was during Valentine's uh, Day time, and uh, the president of Planned Parenthood, I believe her name is Cecile Richards, she, she posted something on the web for Planned Parenthood, and on it she talked about how every woman for Valentine's needs, you know, a healthy diet and to exercise and all these different things. And the last one she had is every, every woman, what she needs for Valentine's is a safe legal abortion. And I'm thinking, you've got to be kidding me. And I, I look at stuff like that, and I think, our world is absolutely crazy. And I think about it, and I think, we don't really deserve a whole lot. And I don't think, whenever I look at our society, I think, man, we can't make a difference in a society like that. And yet, guys, let me tell you something. The Bible tells us God has not called for his people to throw in the towel. 
He's called for his people to penetrate this world. Jesus said in Matthew 5, verses 14 through 16, You are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, lampstand, and it gives light for all who are in the house. In the same way, Jesus said, Let your light shine before men so that they may see your good works and give glory to your Father. Now, our world is dark. Now, I don't like to be Mr. Negative all the time. Y'all, we live in darkness. We live in spiritual darkness. But here's one thing I know. That no matter how dark it is, the smallest light when it is lit conquers darkness. Did you know that? Now, darkness is scary. I mean, you walk into darkness and you can feel undermanned and outgunned. But when a light begins to shine, it exposes darkness, changes everything. And that is why Isaiah said to the people, he said, you rejoice. Because even though you're in darkness, whenever you allow God to work in you and through you, he said there's light people can see. Village Church, we are called to be a light. Because people need to see. That's why we're going through this campaign. It stretches us. And whenever we are stretched, it builds hope. Another reason why it's important for the church to be stretched is because stretching also produces growth. Stretching allows us to grow. In in verse number 2, this is what Isaiah said. He said, enlarge the side of your tent and let your tent curtains be stretched out. Do not hold back. Lengthen your ropes. Drive your pegs deep. For you will spread out to the right and to the left. And your descendants will dispossess nations and inhabit the desolate cities. You know, if we desire to gain strength, you know, it's important that we build up muscle. And obviously, I'm an expert on this. You know, if, if, you, if you're going to get strong, now, we are told that we have dormant muscle cells. And if you want those muscle cells to grow and become stronger, you have to stretch them. And as you stretch them, what happens is the muscle will begin to grow. And whenever that happens, then you're able to bear extra weight. And so it's really actually a great thing. Now, what what Isaiah was telling the people here is he's saying, you have dormant spiritual muscles. And if you want to see the power of God in you, he said, you need to stretch yourself spiritually so that God's power will grow in you and allow you to bear more weight. Now, that sounds great, but it's not easy to do. It takes work. I mean, if it was easy to do, if it was easy for us to gain muscle mass, every person in this room would look like that guy in the Man of Steel. Have you all seen that movie, Man of Steel? That guy's huge. I mean, I thought it was like looking in a mirror. Uh, That guy's a big guy. Let me tell you something. that That guy did not get big like that eating donuts at church. I guarantee you that guy had to work out. Guarantee you, he had to sweat. He had to toil. He had to stretch himself. Now, the Israelites in our text, they were dormant at this time. And they found themselves in exile because they got lazy spiritually. And when they got lazy spiritually, they no longer had the power of God. And they got overrun by the world. They got decimated because their connection with with God was gone. And so it's interesting to me, when I look at our text, Isaiah says this in verse 2. He says, enlarge the sight 
of your tent. What does that mean? Well, if you know the history of Israel, it, it makes sense. When the people, the people of Israel left Egyptian captivity, I mean, they're pretty much a nomadic people. They don't have, they don't have you know, permanent structures for most of their existence. And so whenever they, whenever they were uh, traveling around, they had a tent that they carried with them. It's called the tabernacle. And so when the people, when it came time for them to, to set up shop and begin to worship, they would set up the tent. They'd go into the tabernacle and they would worship God. And when they set up the tent, God's presence would come and dwell among the people. And whenever his presence dwelled among the people, our text says they were able to dispossess nations. Whenever enemies came against them, they were able to have victory over them because they were seeking out the leadership of God. Did you know that, that God wants to work through us like that? That God wants his presence to be among us because when his presence is among us, we will have power as a church. We will have power in our community. We will be able to reach people with the message of God and how he redeems. Now, contrary to popular belief, God doesn't just like, doesn't just like people at Village Church. That's hard to believe. God loves everybody. God loves all people, and he wants all people to know him. And a part of our mission as a church is to tell people about him. I mean, we're told in 2 Peter 3, 9, it says the Lord does not delay his promise, as some understand delay, but he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. What that means to me? God wants to increase and expand the ministry of Village Church so that more people will be introduced to him. This is not a message we just simply keep to ourselves. This is a message that we share with people so they can know God. But if we are not willing to stretch, then our, our faith muscles, they shrink. They become dormant. and We don't experience the power of God. The people in our text, when they trusted God, when they sought him out, God's presence was with them. And they had victory. Now guys, this isn't about our ability. It's about our expandability. Are we willing to stretch? Are we willing to stretch and, and trust God and see Him work through us? You know, so many times whenever I look at the, you know, the church in general, I think, man, we, we are so anemic. I think, why don't we make more of a difference? I mean, I see what's happening culturally and I think, where are we? Now, what's, what's going on? And I really think what, that what's happened so many times with so many of us is that we are not, we, we're more in survival mode than we are in growth mode. I'm trying to reach more people. We're about, you know, so we're going to try to set up shop and try to do whatever we can to protect ourselves. And y'all, I'm right there. I mean, I understand the whole idea of being protective. And I think whenever I think about it, this campaign, I think, man, what we need to do is we need to raise money so we can build higher walls here and keep the world out of this place. And let's just simply protect ourselves and, and try, to, try to keep what we have for ourselves. Otherwise, we're going to lose it all. And so I get in the survival mode of thinking, and therefore what happens is I miss out on being a light in the midst of a world that's very dark. Now, that type of thing, thinking makes sense to me, but, but here's the deal. God's not called us to do that. The mission of the church here and in general is not to hide. The mission of the church 
is to reach. And if we're going to reach, we've got to stretch. Jesus tells us the mission of the church in Matthew 28. He says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And lo, I'm with you always, even to the end of the age. The command to the church is to prepare to grow, not to prepare to build walls to hide. That's really what this campaign's about. It's about us saying, you know what, we are going to go into the world. And we're going to prepare to grow. Now, if we expect to make an impact, we have to prepare for that. Let me, let me try to explain it like this, or give an example like this. Which one is bigger, a water bottle or a balloon? Now, it's just a regular size water bottle, the water bottle is, right? It's, it's bigger than a balloon. But which one's able to hold more water? Now, a water bottle, is, it's bigger, but it's limited. It's already predetermined how much water it can hold. A balloon's different because it's elastic, because it can, it can expand and grow. Therefore, it can hold more water than a water bottle. Now, that, that is how Christians are to be. Guys, we have to be elastic in our relationship with God so that as we see new challenges that we are able to stretch and grow so that we can hold more and do more for the kingdom of God. Now, stretching's good for us. It's good for us because it builds hope. It's good for us because it produces growth. And this is the last thing I want you to, to see. Stretching is also good for the church because stretching will increase your confidence. It will increase our confidence. Verse number four, here's what Isaiah said. He said, do not be afraid. For you will not be put to shame. Don't be humiliated, for you will not be disgraced. For you will forget the shame of your youth and you will no longer remember the disgrace of your widowhood. You know, the stronger you get, the more confident you become. And as you get stronger, you think, I can handle more. You know, if you, if you get stronger, then you're, you're confident that whenever you're called to bear more weight, you think, you know what, I'm going to be able to bear more weight. And a perfect example of this for me is in the Old Testament, the story of David and Goliath. Love the story. Y'all, y'all I mean, you know the story, right? Great story. I said this before. I remember whenever we had kids, I couldn't wait to read them, David and Goliath. And you start reading it, and you're like, ooh. It's a little, little violent there, but it is a good story. Now, the thing that's neat about that story is you'll remember that Goliath, the giant, challenged the Hebrews. He said, one of you sent out one warrior, and we'll fight, and we'll find whoever wins this battle is going to win it all. One-on-one challenge. Nobody from the Israelite army would go out to face Goliath. Wouldn't do it. And then David comes rolling into the town. He, he came in to give food to his brothers. And he, he shows up, and he's like, what's going on here? This giant's out here you know, yelling at him. And nobody's going out to fight him. And David says, I'll take him on. Now, everybody looks at David like he's crazy. I mean, they, they look at him and say, David, what, what can you do? David, you're just a, you're a shepherd. You don't have any experience in being a warrior. David said, I can take him and I can win. Now, was he just being cocky? I, I don't think so. I think what, what's going on here is David was confident because of his past, what God had done in his past. We're told in 1 Samuel 17, it said, Saul replied, King Saul replied to David, he said, you can't go fight this Philistine. You're just a youth, and he's been a warrior since he was young. David answered Saul, your servant has been tending his father's sheep, and whenever a lion or a bear came and carried off a lamb from the flock, I went after it and I struck it down and rescued the lamb from its mouth. If it reared up against me, I would grab it by its fur and I'd strike it down and kill it. 
And he said, and your servant has killed lions and bears. And this uncircumcised Philistine, speaking of Goliath, he said, he will be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. Man, I love reading that stuff. Now, this guy is like, I'm not scared of anything. Now, why was he not scared? Because he put God to the test before when he was a shepherd. And God gave him victory. And you know what? He was like, my God's bigger than Goliath. I'll put him to the test again. Let's just see what happens. Because I guarantee you, my God can defeat Goliath. Isaiah was telling the people, he said, you trust God. You might be barren right now, but I want you to know that you have a future. Bill Church, let me tell you something. We have a future to church. Now, I, I, when I say that, I'm confident of our future. Now, I'm not confident of our future because of you. Now, I know that sounds bad. Don't take that bad. But I'm confident of our future because of the God we serve. You see, if it's just dependent upon us, let me tell you something. I, I've talked to enough of you to know that you are just like everybody else in this community, just as people. Many of you I've talked to, and, and you have experienced heartache in your families. Many of you I've talked to, you've had brokenness in your marriage. Many of you I've talked to, and you have massive failings in your life, just like everybody else. But the difference is, God. And the neat thing to know is that God uses broken and bruised people like you and like me to make himself known. So I'm confident of our future, not because of not because of who we are, but because of the God that we serve. I mean, look at what he's already done here. I mean, think about it. y'all, I'm your pastor. I know me better than you. And that, that's crazy. I'm not qualified for anything. You know? And yet God was willing and has been willing to use a person like me to be the pastor of a church that started out in a small house to now that being in a church that has its hands all throughout this community. It's it's, it's not me. It's the genius of the Lord who's willing to use anyone who will be obedient to his calling. One of my favorite verses is in 1 Corinthians 1, uh, verses 26 and following. This is a great great line Paul gives here. He says, brothers, consider your calling. He says, not many are wise from a human perspective. He's talking to the church. Not many of you guys are very wise. He says, not many powerful, not many of noble birth, but instead God has chosen what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God's chosen what's weak in the world to shame the strong. God's chosen what is insignificant and despised in the world, what is viewed as nothing, to bring to nothing what is viewed as something so that no one can boast in his presence. But it's from him that you're in Christ Jesus, who became God-given wisdom for us, our righteousness, sanctification, and redemption, in order that as it is written, the one who boasts must boast in the Lord. Yeah, we can't boast in ourselves and what we've done. We boast in the Lord. Now, confidence is a great thing to have. I read a great story about a guy named Ted Ratcliffe. He played in the Negro Leagues in baseball. He's a great catcher, very confident catcher. Whenever uh, he played catcher on his... A chest protector, he had a sign on it that said, Thou shalt not steal. Um, he was wearing that whenever he, he threw out Ty Cobb steal, trying to steal second base against him. But he said the most confident player he ever played with was Satchel Page. He was catching for him. He said Satchel Page came out to pitch. When he came out, he turned around and looked at the outfield, and he told the outfield, he said, Go back to the dugout. They went back to the dugout. He struck out the side. 
Now, guys, if, if you're going to do something like that, you better be pretty confident that you're going to be able to pull it off, right? Otherwise, you look like a moron. Now, Village Church, let me tell you something. We can be confident about what we're trying to do in this campaign. We can be confident that we can expand our reach like never before as we start a brand new campus. Jonathan Ruth being over there as our campus pastor. We, we can be confident about our student center, making it more flexible. Because I believe that God will continue to use our student ministry to be the greatest student ministry that we've ever seen. We can be confident about our future, not because of who we are, because of who our God is. The question is, are we going to believe who our God is? Romans 8.31 says, if God be for us, then who can be against us? And so my challenge for you, my challenge for me, is that we will take that to heart as we embark on reaching like we never have before. We have a great opportunity before us. And over the next several weeks, we're going to see the calling that God has for his people to reach. Is it a risk? It is. Is it scary? Humanly speaking, it is. But is it worth it? It's worth it. If you're going to put your marbles in one place, put them with Jesus. And you will see things, and I'll see things that we never dreamed could happen. 